Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the songs that you have given us, Lord. Father, forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Remove anything and everything that will distract us or prevent us from hearing your message to us tonight. Father, I pray that you use me again, Lord God, tonight to speak to your people. Let you and you alone speak to them, Lord God. Override my preparations, Lord. And well, Father, I ask for wisdom to know what to say, what not to say. Don't let me say anything that's not true. Guide us, Father. Give all of us the wisdom that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please turn your Bibles to Matthew. Matthew chapter 11. Then I'll tell you which verse later. Is that okay? (laughs) All right. We titled our message tonight, All for Obedience. We're still in our journey in our second book of the Corinthians uh, now we're in chapter 10. We're skipping. If you're following me closely, you know that I skipped chapter 9 because our last topic was chapter 8, which is pretty much the same as chapter 9. But I just don't want anybody thinking that we're repeating the same message over and over again. But that said, we're going to be talking about obedience again tonight. <laughs> Call for obedience. I know if you were here last Sunday, we spoke about honoring our parents, honoring God, and we spoke about obedience And for some reason, God still wants us to hear again. So maybe we're just that stubborn. If you're going to be honest, I could say amen to that. So we're going to be saying, we're uh, reading from chapter 10, verses 1 to 6. So let's begin. Again, before we get to 2 Corinthians, the reason for obeying are up here. In John 14, 15, if you love Jesus... You obey his commands. And then Jesus again said, those who accept my commandments, if you accept them, if you say they are good, that God's word is is true for you, that you believe in God, and you believe that the Bible is God's word, and you accept it, you accept those who accept my commandments and obey them. Not just agreeing with them, but you have to also be doing them and obeying them are the ones who love me. The result of our obedience, the obedience is the proof of our love for God. Our obedience is the proof that we love God. So if you are having an obedience problem, you have a love relationship problem. Amen? We've said it here before and we'll say it again. And you can say it to yourself once again. All those thou shalt nots, and you're still doing them, there's a love relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. I love it. It's true. At the end of the day, it all boils down to that. It's not because you don't truly believe it that God doesn't really want you to not do this. It's just that you just don't want to. Right? I mean, the, the bad news, this is why I don't like watching the news. But I, I, I got to hang out with my mom, and she loves watching the news. Uh, 
couple afternoons ago, and it's all bad news. School shooting, once again. Another school shooting in our country. I read somewhere that it's more dangerous to go to school now than to go to the battlefield. Because there's more killings. There's more killings in the schools than out there. At least if you go in the battlefield as a soldier, you're prepared, right? You were trained. You're wearing a bulletproof vest. You got your own gun so you could shoot back, but you're going to school. Man, I, used to, I used to think our school was tough. Our school is not tough compared to what's going on here. Everybody gets angry. Now they kill other kids. That's one bad news, right? And then there was a, a Reno couple who left their daughter dead in their apartment, and they moved the daughter to Sacramento or in California to a storage facility. How is that supposed to make you feel good while you're eating your breakfast, right, or your lunch, right? It's all filled with bad news. But then it got all covered up with the royal wedding. Everybody forgot about all the bad news because all the, my Facebook posts are all my friends who watched the royal wedding. Everything about the royal wedding. It's just the world changes here and there. Isn't it? Well, one thing is constant. God's love stays the same. Amen? His love for us never changes. It doesn't matter how we feel about it, if we accept it or not. If He loves us because we accepted Jesus, that one day He loves us all throughout. But then the question is to us, if we love Him, if we love Him, we should obey His commandments. This is, I start with this because as you know in the previous uh, chapters, especially the last one, Paul was talking about the, the Corinthians giving, talking about their money. And we discussed how hard that is for many of us. Now when it comes to our finances, we trust God with it. Because sometimes if it's money, most of the time if it's our money, we want to keep it, right? If it's something that we're already in love with above God, it becomes our idol, Another, another thing that we discuss is thou shalt not yoke with unbelievers. That's another thing that is tested, that tests our obedience. Now, the not yoking is not only with getting into a relationship as boyfriend or girlfriend or husband and wife. It also pertains, if you already know that you are part of a church that is wrong, this is telling, saying the wrong things about our faith, and you decide to stay there because you say, because I love the people here. That's yoking. You're yoking there. You're un, you are unyoked. So it's, so I'm not joking here. We're just talking about yoking. <laughs> no, I don't know. Did I say that wrong? Okay. I killed that joke. All right. But no, it, in our walk with the Lord, everything that thou shalt not, not, that's where our love relationship with him gets tested. Amen? That is when and where it gets tested. And again, if you love him, you should obey his commandments. So that's our first point to our topic tonight. And how can we do it? I say we follow Christ's example. Who is the best person to follow when it comes to our faith? Jesus Christ. Because he did walk through here too. He went through the same things. And that's why we're going to see Paul. Now, I, Paul, appeal to you. 
with the gentleness and kindness of Christ. Though I realize you think I am timid in person and bold only when I write from far away. Basically, they're saying Paul is all bark and no bite. That's what the false teachers have been telling the Corinthian church, that Paul is just tough on his print, but he's nothing in person. He's, they're doing everything that they can to discredit Paul, the false prophets that were with the, with the Corinthians. That's why Paul tackled the do not yoke with unbelievers, because Paul was telling them, if you already know that those guys are not telling the truth compared to what we taught you, and you're still with them, you are yoking with unbelievers. That's one of his main topics with these guys. And Paul, Paul knew. Paul was feeling. The remarks about the collection in chapter 8 and 9 amounted to a mild appeal and a call to action to the Corinthian church. Now in chapter 10, Paul's subject matter and the intensity of his appeal were amplified. Paul believed that the danger of people defecting from him and his gospel were real. It was happening, and he was very much concerned. By appealing for their obedience, he tested the confidence that Titus told him in chapter 7, verse 16. So now Paul being a reluctant, he, Paul, was, Paul was reluctant here to give a stern message to the people. But just like any parent, if you're a parent, then you know when you're dealing with an unruly child. And sometimes you just want to put them out of the world. No, no. When, when you just want to tell the truth, right? But you're, you don't want to somehow choke it to them. You don't want to suffocate them with it. But you just want to say it ever so sternly. So that they know that you are serious. So that they will not get in trouble. Because you know that if they do it, they will get in trouble. This is where Paul's mindset is. Paul was, a reluct was reluctant to a stern action, but the situation demanded it. And his model for this was Christ. That's why he says, to, I, I appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ. And you are in Matthew 11. Please look at verse 29. If we are to follow Christ, it says here, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is when we, this is when we want to be like Christ. We want to be like Christ, and we want to be gentle as Christ is. But Christ did not compromise just for the name of, in, for the sake of not rocking the boat? No, Christ was also bold, and we're going to see it here. This is his meekness, Christ's meekness. But when the leading priest, this is reading from Matthew 27, 12 to 14. But when the leading priest and elders made their accusations against him, speaking of Jesus, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges they are bringing against you? Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. This is where we see Jesus' meekness. But don't take his meekness as the sign of weakness. In Isaiah 53, 7, 
He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Despite the pain, despite the injustice, despite the slaps and the spit on his face, Jesus did not complain. Jesus did not even make a sound because he knew he was doing it for your sins and mine. For your sins and mine. He did not complain. He was meek, but he was strong. Real, I, I told my son this because this was, to, somebody told me this before. The real show of strength is in, is in control. That's the real show of strength. If you can actually control your anger or, or, or to retaliate, you're wanting to retaliate or to defend yourself. We see Jesus not saying anything. We see Jesus didn't, didn't make a word. But we, somebody makes a wrong impression on us. We, we don't fight back now. We post back, right? <laughs> oh, oh boy. You're smoking me out. Oh, all right. Oh, you, here's... Here's one for you. Mm. Here's your ugly picture. <laughs> right? We fight back. We post back. Right? Oh, you think, you're, you think you got me? I'll get you. All social media. Everybody knows who you're mad at. Right? Everybody knows you're upset. And some people, they just want just the, the, you know, the mad emoji. That's it. That's all they have to say. And then they got like 25 reactions. What's wrong, baby? It's my work, it's my school, it's my boyfriend, it's my dad, it's my mom, it's my, it's my life. <laughs> little things. A little post. Somebody didn't like my post. It took her three hours to like my post. It takes her two minutes to like someone else's post. What in the world? <laughs> I thought she cared about me. I thought you care about me. Right? We cry about little things. Senseless things, if I may, stupid things. But here, Jesus, who can rightfully say, hey, I'm not supposed to be the one to blame here. Right? But this, when he was put here, it's not like he was put here by accident. This was by God's design. But this was by God's design. But as we follow Christ's examples, we, example, we have to see here that if God knows that you didn't do it, if God knows that you didn't actually say that accusation, you don't have to say anything. If God knows it, let God take care of it. Amen? We say we're believers of God. Agree? Amen. Amen. But then why can't we let God said, leave room for my vengeance. Leave room for my wrath, for vengeance is mine. Okay, not, not because we want them to, like, Lord, just bring the thunder and let them burn, right? No, it's like, we want to be like Christ, gentle and meek. Amen? We see here, and, and that's the same thing that Paul is exercising. That's why he said, through Christ. He's like, in Christ. And now we continue in verse, uh, the second verse. He says, well, I am begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. 
Paul is giving notice. He's giving them fair notice to the false prophets there. He's giving them false, he was giving them a fair warning. This basically, this is your final warning. Right, he put them on notice. And same with the Corinthians. Listen. Submit now and don't suffer the consequences later. That's what he's saying. How are we following Christ, Joe, if we're doing that? And look at this. In John 2, 15, 16, this is when Christ cleaned out the temple. He says here, so he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, but both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. We see Jesus in his righteous indignation, cleaning out the house of God. Because they made it into a marketplace, something that it wasn't supposed to be. The house of God was supposed to be a house of prayer, a house of worship. But they made it into something else. It's the same thing with our church these days. We made church about something else. Other than prayer, other than worshiping God, it's about something else. Right? It's about songs, better songs. They want to go to a concert. They don't want to hear the preacher preach. They want to hear the Hillsong guys sing. They want to be jumping there by the stage with them. They want it to be at something else. They want to see graphics, better videos. They don't want to hear music. I know we're doing that here, but we're not making that over and above the message of God and the truth in the Bible. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Charles. <laughs> because the biggest thing there is the generation gap. There's a lot of arguments there that becomes generation gap. And even with that, when we make it about our preferences above someone else's preferences, we make it about something else again. We make it into a marketplace, a competition of who is going to be the one the church is going to cater to. Is it the way of preaching that you want or the way of preaching that they want? Is it the kind of music that they prefer or is it the ones that you prefer? We make it about something else, right? We make it about something else instead of about making it into a house of prayer. And Jesus, you see here, Jesus does not compromise. Jesus does not compromise. God doesn't just shrug off your sin. Eh, it's okay. You sin? Oh, well. No. He takes that seriously. To a point that he gave his only begotten son. To be a payment for the sin that we committed against him. The, if you read the Old Testament, if you sin against a brother, there's always a payment. There's a payment to it. There's something, that, there's a sacrifice. There's a payment. But here, but you have to provide that payment. But with our sin against God, he provided the payment. Because there's no other payment that we could have came, come up with. No amount of good works can save us from the fires of hell. It was about Jesus. 
giving his life for us. That's why when we, when we look at this, when we see his boldness and we see the seriousness of it, we have to see the seriousness of the sin. So if there's any sins that you are still holding on to, despite the fact that God is saying, give that up to me, and you're still disobeying him, not only do you have a love relationship problem, you have consequences on the way if you are not already experiencing it. I know we discussed about parent and child last, last Sunday, and it's the same thing. Those who heed to advice, blessings come. Those who honor their parents, blessings come. But again, don't just obey God because you want blessing. He knows that. Obey Him because you love Him. So yes, we are looking at this as we see Paul saying that he's following Christ's example in meekness and Christ's gentleness as he speaks, as he pleads to the Corinthian church. Submit. Know that you are doing something wrong and give it up. Remove yourselves from them. Is what he's saying in many ways. Stop. Stop supporting the false prophets. Take yourself away from them, is what he's saying. And again, we see here that disobedience equals sin equals God's anger. In Romans 1, chapter 1, verse 18 to 20, it reads, But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invincible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. We see here God's anger. You will never understand completely and fully understand God's love if you do not understand His wrath. Do we agree? Oh, Pastor Joe, I thought God is love. Yes, God is love. But you will not know His love until you know His wrath against sin. He doesn't smile at any of our disobedience. He doesn't. He doesn't take sin as we take sin. We take sin as it's just as something that we can't get over with. It's a syndrome, Pastor Joe. I have this syndrome where we can justify it. The medical uh, field has justified everything. Oh, he's uh, you're manic depressive. You know what? So I'm not a medical expert, okay? So I'm more of a sarcastic than I'm a scientist. But... <laughs> uh, so yeah, there, there, it could be, there could be those medical things that people go through, some chemical imbalance that they go through. But at the end of the day, if the Bible tells me that my Lord is my source of my joy, my strength, that despite the troubles that I go through, that it's sin that's preventing me from enjoying the truth and joy and happiness that God has planned for me, then everything else is nonsense for me. Do we agree? 
If we say we are believers, this is our final and last word. Right here. Everything here. The medical field can just confirm some of the things that we already know. They take years to find out, and you could just turn to a verse. Oh, I could have saved you some time because it's right there. Right? So do not worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of the Lord that surpasses all understanding will be with you through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 7. And they take what? The depression pills. Oh, gosh, I'm so worried. Now it's legal now here, the medical marijuana now. Or it's not medical now, it's just legal. It's marijuana. Supposed to help them with their appetite, right? For me, I need to suppress my appetite. (laughs) I eat too much. I should have not said that. I just got hungry after saying it. But it's different. God does not. There's anger. Whenever we disobey God, there's anger and there's consequences. If he thinks it's a joke, why would he give Jesus? Why would Jesus come down here? Why would he give up? Why would Jesus give up his deity and be a man and experience everything that he experienced if he thinks our sin is just a joke? Now we could just believe in any other God other than him. That we believe that there is another way for us to go to heaven other than his way that he already proclaimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. If there, were, if there was any other way, why would he come down? Oh, what, Jesus made a mistake? God made a mistake? And for those who deny, for those who deny Jesus, that there is a God, and they just have to look up at the sky. Even the scientists will just come up with a guess. They're scientific guess. It's an educated guess because they put science behind it. Right? If we want to see, if you play around with disobedience, just know, if you could care less that it's a sin, just know that God is not happy with it. There's anger behind it. Next verse. Whoa, I knew it. That was going to happen. <laughs> All right, let's go here. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning to destroy false arguments. Paul still talking to the Corinthian church. Because his accusers, the false prophets in Corinth, are throwing all sorts of bad things about Paul. That Paul is a false prophet. Paul is not saying the right things. Paul is basically the wrong guy instead of them. And they gave them the credentials. They showed them their credentials signed by this and that person. And that's why Paul said here that we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. The worldly weapons are the following. Influence. Money. Educational attainment. And impressive credentials are the world's power. 
Paul used God's weapons. What are God's weapons? The proclaimed truth of the word of God and prayer. See, I'm not trying to defend myself here, but I've heard this many times. Before people would, I guess, especially from this one person, I've invited uh, this person to come to church. And he knows me as a, as a real estate agent. So, and then he asked me, he goes, so did you go to uh, a seminary? I go, oh, no, I didn't. So that was the first question, the first time I invited him. Three years later, I, I saw him again in a party, and I said, hey, you want to come visit at a church one time? You know, because I tell you guys not to give up, right? So I'm like, whenever I see this guy, I'm like, oh, gosh, I can't give up. I said, All right, hey, you want to come? And he goes, so did you go? Did you finally take, you know, class? You finish in seminary? She's basically saying, do you have the credentials to talk about what you're talking about up there? And I said, no, I don't. I don't. I did go to a seminary. Um, because I was telling people earlier that when, the, when I finished school, I wanted to stay out of school after I finished. <laughs> that was it. Unlike, unlike uh, some other people who already finished college and they're thinking again of going. Those are crazy people. After your bachelor's, you want to do master's degree? Whew. I was happy with my good enough degree. You know, my GED. <laughs> That's what I got. <laughs> Seven years in high school. Can you believe it? One more year, I could have mastered it. <laughs> so, I'm embarrassing myself here way too much. So it says here, it is extremely important for us to understand that though we do not yet have our glorified bodies and still live in tents of flesh, we are involved in a real spiritual battle. And the enemy's goal is our destruction. The devil does, does everything he can to undermine our faith and impede our progress in God's will by putting temptations in our paths that appeal to our fleshly desires. It could be a relationship that we're not supposed to have. It could be a career that will completely take us out in fellowship with God's people and worshiping him every Sunday. It could be that paycheck, right? Yet because the spirit of the living God dwells within us, we can serve him wholeheartedly in faith and win this war through obedience to him. You cannot grow in, our, in your relationship with our Lord if you're disobedient. You can sit down in Richard's class for five years and be at chapter five. <laughs> Of Reve chapter 2 of Revelations and learn all the doctrines that he will give you there and, tell, and you are disobeying, you will not grow. You will not grow. You can sit here in many Sundays, pretend and think that you're practicing religion and you're being faithful to God but still live your disobedient life. You're not going to grow. You're not going to grow in your relationship with the Lord. It's about your obedience. And you depend, and we have to depend on God's mighty weapons. As we, talk, as we said, it was, it's the proclaimed word of God, which is the Bible. So do you take time in studying it and reading it? Do you join Bible studies? Do you come to church? 
It's all that involved. And prayer. Prayer, the prayer that's not rushing. All right, Lord, I need to go to work, so let's just get this over with. Okay, please bless me as I drive over there. Yeah, and you said in your word, you already know what I asked for, even before I say anything. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Because you're busy. We're busy, right? We're Americans. We're Christian Americans. We're busy. We got four or five jobs. We wear many hats. We don't have time for God. Not now. When we retire, we finally get our Social Security. Or when investments work, and yeah, that's when I serve. That's when I'll serve God. I tell you what, there's a lot of people that have a lot of money that's still not serving God. But they still can't find time for God. It's the wanting, the desire. It's not there. And they're not growing because there's disobedience in there. There's something that they haven't given up. There's something that they haven't done. There's something. And how do we beat? How do we beat this, this life that we just said? How do we beat the, the, the temptations that's thrown upon us? How do we become victorious? How do we become obedient? How do we win this spiritual battle? Next verse. <laughs> there. Put on the full armor of God. This is in Ephesians. Please turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to be reading from verse 10 to 13. It's also up here. But if you can go there, that will be great. He reads, Finally, be strong in the Lord, in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Not by your strength, by God's strength. Not by your might, by His might. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You hear of school shooting, they talk about guns. You hear of school shooting, and, and I saw a post, they go, why is this that this keeps happening to our country? Something needs to change. But everything else except God. They'll talk about everything else. They'll talk about the gun control. They'll talk about everything else. But you know, I still have to hear about violent movies that they're easily accessed by children through Netflix. I still have to hear about Marvel movies that used to be for kids, right? Because Marvel comics are for children. And now it's so violent, it's so mature. That it, it, it tells the children it's okay. The games, I still need to hear about the games being controlled. The video games, about the killing part. They desensitize the, cult, the children about killing they desensitize them. But I don't hear that. You don't hear that. You'll hear it little by little. Drips on some sources. You, can, you don't even know which news source to watch anymore. Because these, these places are also facilitated by, by marketers, by their own corporations that have their own purpose and agenda. That's why it says here, against the rulers, against the authorities. Marijuana is now legal here. 
There was just a bit huge accident in Fresno or in Fremont, California by somebody who was intoxicated by marijuana. And he killed people driving down the freeway. And if he thought it was funny that he'll be smoking weed and driving on 880, there's no care for life anymore. There's no care. If he didn't care, if he didn't care about his life, why would he take somebody else's, right? There's no more, the, the value, the sacredness of life is no longer there. You don't hear that because they don't want to hear it. There's no sacredness now. Life is not sacred anymore. You know, sexuality is not even sacred too. So you see there, it says here, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, you cannot fight this life on your own. This spiritual battle. You can't live this life on your own. This Christian life is impossible. You can't battle without putting on the full armor of God. Therefore, therefore, put on the full armor, not just parts of it, the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. But then continue there. Before we get there, we'll go at verse, what was I at? where was my verse 10 and 4? The weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. I want to focus on that. It reads here, most of us struggle with prayer. We forget to pray. And when we remember, we hurry through prayers with hollow words. And if you read down Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, let me get there. All right, so in verse 14, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, it reads, where is it? Stand firm then with the belt of truth. That's the full armor of God, right? Buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. And then here's the one to focus on, verse 18. And pray in the spirit. And on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Why pray? Why pray? Because that's, the way we talk to our God. God wants us to pray. The creator of the universe wants us to pray to Him, wants us to spend time with Him, wants us to talk to Him. Amen. Our minds drift when we're praying. Does this happen to you? You're so focused on watching your show, but then when you're about to pray, you fall asleep. 
That's why most of us, when we want to go to sleep, we say, it's time to pray. <laughs> right? That's what puts us to sleep when we pray. But everything else we get to watch. Four-hour movies? Dances with Wolves is what, 25 hours? <laughs> I watch it eight times. We, but then when, we're st- when, start, when we pray, our minds drift. Our thoughts scatter. Prayer requires, you know why? I'm thinking this, because it requires minimal effort. You don't need to wear anything. Right? You don't need to be in a place. Because sometimes if you need to wear something like it's a basketball game or it's a sport, you need to wear your gear, right? You're going to go to the gym, you have your gym clothes. You have to go to work, you have to put on your suit, put your tie, and you're ready. And if you're Rambo, you just need to put that thing on your head and you're ready to fight, right? You put on something, you get ready, you get pumped up. But when it's prayer, there's no required, nothing required other than you willing to give up the time to speak to God, right? There's no location prescribed. You can pray anywhere. No particular clothing. No title. You don't need to be the priest to be prayerful or something, another title, or an office to hold. You can pray. Yet, you'd think we're wrestling with a greased pig. I saw this before. Sesame Street. And I always wanted to do it until I really saw a pig. I'm like, never mind. You know when they wrestle those greased pigs and their games, they release it and somebody tries to tackle it, but it's so greasy you can't take it. You can't grab it because it's so greasy. Speaking of pigs, Satan seeks to interrupt our prayers. Our battle with prayer is not entirely our fault. The devil knows. The devil knows the power of prayer. The devil knows the stories. He knows the stories when, when the, and he witnessed when the angel, was, the angel released Peter in jail. He knows about the revival that happened in Jerusalem after the, all the disciples prayed. The earth shook because their prayer was so powerful. He knows what happens when we pray. He knows it. Satan is not troubled when you read books. Okay? He's not even troubled when I'm preparing my sermons. I guess <laughs> my allergies just trouble me. But his knobby knees tremble when I pray. When you pray. Because there's power in prayer. There's, a, there's power in a prayerful Christian. Amen? But that's what we lack. We lack prayer, a sincere and devoted prayer time. We are no longer prayerful Christians. The church now is no longer a prayerful Christian. And we wonder why we're attacked. And we wonder why we fail. And we wonder why everybody else fails. Because we fail to get down on our knees because we can't stand the trials anymore, we need to get down on our knees. Demons are not flustered when you read a book, even if it's a Christian book. But the walls of hell shake when one person with an honest heart and faithful confession says, Oh God, how great thou art. 
how can you not pray? After knowing that truth, how can you be not prayerful? If you're going through troubles at home, and you know that Satan is behind it, you're experiencing problems with heavenly realms, the powers of within the heavenly realms. And the only way that you can protect yourself is from God. Right? God is the one that is the only one that can protect you and get you out of that trouble. It should lead you to prayer. It should lead you to prayer. If you've done all the things you need to do to teach your child not to live the way they're living, but they still do it. It should drive you to prayer. How can you not be prayerful after knowing this truth? Satan keeps you and me from prayer. In Ephesians, he said, pray for all the saints. Because all of us, we get attacked. We all get attacked. Different ways and different times. So why should we be prayerful? Pastor, I pray. Okay, good. Keep praying. If you're not praying enough, I, I, I submit to you the need for it. We need to be prayerful. We need to be prayerful. Satan tries to position himself self between us and God. But he scampers like a spooked dog when we move forward. Let's move forward. Let's be prayerful. Going back to Paul, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. I have it here, not by human wisdom but by the Spirit. It says here, taking every thought captive to the the obedience of Christ. Paul speaks a great deal about training the mind to think in a way that honors God because the mind is the primary battlefield for spiritual warfare. Remember, What you focus your mind on has lasting ramifications. This is because a thought reaps an action. Do we agree? Once you put your mind into it, you're going to take action. Some of you are just lazy. You think and you're like, never mind, it's too tiring. But some, when they think about it, they do it. Because the thought reaps an action, an action reaps a habit. A habit reaps your character, and your character reaps your destiny. Therefore, we must reject anything that does not honor Christ in our thinking. Do we agree? Amen. It, somebody said that you can have all the laws in the country. Just give me the music and I will influence the culture. The music that you listen to influences your thinking. The movies that you watch influence your thinking. The books that you read influences your thinking. And then what we said. 
character, habit, everything else. Philippians 4, 8, 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. That's in Philippians 4, 8, 9. Colossians 3, 2. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. My Filipino brothers and sisters here, we always think of the Philippines if you grew up there, right? We always fantasize about going back to the Philippines and retire there and live happily ever after. Do we agree? But then, uh, I'm going to say, there's nothing wrong with that. But it becomes wrong it, if it becomes more important than your relationship with God. And when I say that, relationship with God means, is there anything that God has been telling you to do for Him or give up for Him that you haven't done or are still doing? But because of your goal to go back to the Philippines and retire a happy life, you forget and neglect this. That's when it becomes wrong. For those of us who are still raising children, if, 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 if their success is more important to us than, than what God is telling us to do for Him, for His kingdom, and then for His people, then it becomes wrong. Because our mindset needs to be to heaven, about heaven. And that goes for our pockets too. Where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Look at your bank account and you will see what means more to you. For me, it's eating out. <laughs> wow, well, we ate a lot. We ate out a lot this month. Huh. <laughs> you know? It, it, you'll see it there. You will see what means more to you. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Verse 6. His approach to this particular confrontation in Corinth was twofold. First, it was necessary that the Corinthian church express their subjection to Christ by demonstrating loyalty to Paul. Paul wanted them to say that. Paul wanted them to express that. Paul wanted them to show loyalty to Christ and to him because the false teachers were very aggressive in discrediting Paul and his teachings. It's the same thing with us. We need to know now, tonight at least, to whom our loyalty belongs to. Are you living for the world or are you living for God? I, I, I spoke to this young man this, this week. He has full of potential. Full of potential, both for the world and for God. He's very young, 21, I think. Good-looking guy. I told him, you have a choice. You can spend your life for the world and be great at it, 
that you can spend your life for God and be great at it too. Our lives are full of choices. Amen? But those, these are the choice, this is the one choice for us believers that we need to answer every day. And when we answer it with the loyalty for God, hopefully, then we will follow with an action. Not just an idea. That's the difference between successful people and the not-so-successful people. The not-so-successful people have a lot of ideas, but no actions. The successful people have an idea and they take action. And then the not-so-successful people have a lot of comments. Woohoo! Here we go again. Right? They throw rocks at somebody who's trying to go up. You got those haters. We have to have the idea. <laughs> we have to have the idea and then move forward. But you know what? Christian life is not an idea. Okay? Obedience to God is not an idea. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. We need to be obedient to God because it's our love relationship with Him. We love it. We love to obey Him. There's a difference if we have to obey because we're told to obey and we have to obey and there's consequences, but we don't really want to. Compared to, I want to obey because I love God. So the loyalty here is, again, Paul telling them they need to show their loyalty to Christ and to Him. In this way, their obedience would be complete because if we're obedient to Christ, we're complete. Second, when Paul was sure that they had abandoned his opponents, the false prophets, he could then directly deal with the false prophets, knowing that the church supported him. It's hard for me to really minister to people if I know that they're not completely in love with God. What do I mean? If somebody approaches me with their issue or their problem, and I know that they're not completely in love with the Lord, I tread that water very so lightly. But if I know that they love God and they just made a blunder, I give it to them hard as God wants it. I give it to them as God says it. Some people just can, they can only handle milk, and they're wondering why they're not growing. Sometimes I go hard, a little bit, a little bit of meat, a little bit, a little bit of truth. Sometimes a little bit more than usual. Sometimes they submit. Most of the time they don't. But here, once Paul, once Paul has the security, the church is with him, then he will address the false prophets. That's why. That's what he says here about the punishment. The punishment will go to the false prophets. The same thing with God. God will punish the false prophets. Those who have misled many people, punishment goes to them. Punishment goes to them. I'm on my 45-minute mark here. I still have another hour. (laughs) (laughs) He could directly deal with the false apostles knowing that the church supported him. He was ready to punish their acts of disobedience to Christ. The word punish could be more translated to avenge. 
in closing, we're going to go with this. Not by human wisdom, but by the Spirit. We're going to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. If you can all please turn your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 14. We started with this and we're going to... We're going to end with this. Verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. I don't know if your Bible is in red ink. Has it in red ink? But that is Jesus speaking. So I'm making you read it from the Bible so that you know it's just not on your computer or on your phone. It's true. <laughs> and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor. To be with you forever. For us believers, when we accepted Christ, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit now indwells in us. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him. Because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him. For He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not come to you. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Verse, 25, verse 23, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words here are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All, the, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Amen? Everyone, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the power to resist temptation. You have the power to obey. You have the power to serve God as God wants you to serve Him. You have it. You just have to be willing the unfortunate thing is we are not willing for those of us that have not accepted, for those of you who have not accepted Christ. A lot of these things are not making sense to you because the Holy Spirit is the one that gives you the truth. But if something is all of a sudden making sense to you tonight, that's the Holy Spirit clarifying it for you, clearing it for you, and speaking to you. The Spirit of God 
has just opened your eyes and your minds. I submit that you finally surrender your life to him tonight. The object of Paul's warfare was to make people obedient. That was his warfare. To make the Corinthians obedient. So that they will grow, so that they will be profitable for the Lord. So they will be great witnesses for the Lord, to bring more people to the Lord. It's the same thing for us. We are to be obedient. Paul was not interested in making them subject to him, to himself, or any other man for that matter, or for the matter of the world. But Paul wanted us, them and us, to submit to God's will, to be obedient to God's will, for us to grow and glorify Him. Amen? 2 Corinthians 1.24 But that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. We want to work together with you so you will be full of joy, for it is by your own faith that you stand firm. It is by your own faith that you stand firm. If you are not obedient to God, you will struggle. If you are struggling, all the more we need to surrender to God. All the more you need to be prayerful. If there are troubles coming, it could be, it could be a test from the Lord. It could be a consequences from our sins. But at the end of the day, we need to be obedient believers. Amen? Amen. Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your truth, Father. Father, we ask for forgiveness for all of our sins, the many times that we have failed you, the many times that we have given given into our fleshly desires. Father, help us, Lord God. Help us grow. Father, help us to see why we need to be willing to be obedient to you. Father, help us to get down on our knees, Lord God, and be prayerful to you. Father, help us to take our walk with you more seriously. Guide us, Father, and be glorified in our lives, Lord. Father, I pray for blessings for everyone here tonight. May you guide them, Father, guide them to the truth. And help them, Lord God, set their minds on you. And fall more in love with you so that we can be more obedient to you. In Jesus' name we pray. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.